Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Uh, today is a Throwback Thursday episode, and we're going all the way back to 2015 to one of our episodes that Kurt was hosting uh, about recreational tree climbing. Wow, this sounds interesting. I actually haven't heard this episode. I don't ever remember seeing it, actually, but I was looking through of what to play today, and this one uh, looked really interesting. So, yeah, Harv is a tree climber, obviously. Grew up tree climbing like a lot of us. And, you know, that is often, like Kurt's going to say, one of the things that we let go of as we get older. But there's still so much to do. In fact, I've got some super tall pine trees in my backyard. And I've been wanting to put an osprey nest nest up there because uh, I have a lot of ospreys in this area. And it would just be cool to give them a little platform to kind of get started, and make it a little safer. I need to get up in the tree. Got to climb the tree, of course to do that. And so uh, I might be listening to this one, get some tips, get some tricks in how to learn how to tree climb. So hopefully uh, nothing crazy said. I haven't listened to it through before revisiting. It just sounds super interesting. So hope you enjoy it as much as I do. And uh, let's go ahead and dive in or, or dive up, go up the tree, right? Yeah. That, okay. Bad, bad dad joke. All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Today we have a sport that I think may be a new sport to many of you, although it has existed for quite some time. We're talking about recreational tree climbing. Our guest today is Harv Teitelbaum, and Harv is a master instructor at Tree Climbing Colorado. He's the vice president of GOTC, which is the Global Organization of Tree Climbers, and he was the founding president of the GOTC. He teaches environmental sciences online on the collegiate level, and he's active with the Sierra Club. He has been a recreational tree climber now for 15 years, and I'm excited for him to come and introduce this sport to you. Harv, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kurt. Glad to be here. Well, Harv, this is really fun. I don't know if all the listeners out there had the same experiences that I did. As children, I think most of us climbed trees and really enjoyed it. But as we grow into adulthood, a lot of people leave the trees. And I know that it's been one of your passions to get adults back into the trees, to experience nature there and experience the trees. So tell us a little bit about your connection to recreational tree climbing and what it's all about. Well, you know, we call it a sport or an activity, but it's it's more, of a, it's more of an adventure and an experience because we all know trees for the first couple of feet up as we're walking around and looking at trees. But to actually get up in the, the trees, to use ropes and harnesses or saddles and uh, safe and easy to learn techniques, we can actually ascend easily into the, the crowns of trees and really experience a tree from up on high to feel the tree breathe, to feel it move. Uh, to get a sense of of its topography, of its of its layout from way up high, um, it opens up a whole a whole other world for you when you get up there. And uh, and yeah, we you know kids we take a lot of kids up and kids do a lot of activities. But it's those those adults who climbed as a kid or maybe loved trees as a kid, and then we get away from it, get into our daily lives. And I love reconnecting people, adults, back with trees and with nature and getting them up there because we. We all came from the trees at some point in our, our primate past. We lived in trees, and there's something very fundamental and foundational in reconnecting us with trees, um, especially women for some reason. We get uh, women up 
in trees and, and there's a certain certain change that comes over them that they uh, they just love being up there and they get very quiet and we've had some women just uh, come down very emotional from the experience uh, sometimes they'll uh, women will get up there and they'll totally ignore me when I say okay it's time to come down they'll, they'll <laughs> totally ignore me but I'm, I'm kind of used to that so <laughs> uh, but but really it's, it can be a transformative uh, transformative experience for for everyone that's neat you know, from time to time in a travel guide, we'll see a picture of people up in the canopy in a rainforest on some sort of a zip line or just up in the trees themselves, experiencing the forest from that viewpoint. Um, that's about as close as I've come to recreational tree climbing is just seeing those pictures. But that's a very real experience that you're promoting then. Yeah, and and uh, it's it's interesting because the inventor of the, the zip line, uh, Donald Perry, was one of the first people to use climbing techniques um, to ascend into the uh, the canopy of the forest uh, way back about 1974 when he was still a graduate student. But the zip line is is more of a thrill ride than what we do, and you're you're traveling in a uh, in a direction that's particular to the uh, to the strength of the tree. When we climb a tree, we're actually climbing uh, along you know in the same the same direction as the trunk line. And I think there's something to be tr- climbing up, up the trunk, or in the in the same, um, you know, the same axis uh, as the tree has its strength when the tree grows. So it's a different sort of experience. Not so much a thrill experience, although it is thrilling for many people. Uh, but we don't we don't do it to get the thrills or to to conquer the tree or you know peak bagging like they might do in, in mountain climbing. Uh, we do it just to, you know, get up there and experience the trees in the forest. So what sizes of trees do you climb? How big or do they need to be before it's a, a good climb for you? Well, I, I don't know if there's any set answer to that. You know, some people ask about, oh, have you climbed a, a redwood? And, you know, I tell them yes and tell them about those experiences. But I also try to add that, you know, it's not always, uh, you know, size doesn't always matter. Um, sometimes it's um, it's the type of tree, the shape of tree, the, the character, personality of the tree that's real important. Um, redwoods are wonderful, and they, they're, they're their own unique experience. But every tree is, is different every time you climb it. Every day, uh, every season, every route you take is going to be different. And uh, trees have different, uh, different personalities, different shapes. I like trees that have a really nice uh, crown spread to them. That is, they're really spread out so you can move around a little bit and really appreciate, um, appreciate the tree, the breath of the tree. I like, uh, there are different kinds of bark that uh, provide uh, different experiences for you in different uh, situations, different climbing um, questions and puzzles to solve. So um, every tree is a different character. So I don't know if I have a favorite or favorite size, but, uh, you know, they should be, generally speaking, you want a fairly stout tree with uh, a healthy tree, got good limbs, um, good uh, what we call crotches, where to, to put the uh, put the rope and put the anchor or your tie-in point. So um, yeah, so that that's a little bit. But I, I like also an open canopy that has good views uh, and a tree that has some age, some age, some some character to it. That's that's some of the things I look for. It's interesting because as you start talking about trees, my mind is flooded with memories of experiences that I've had in and around trees. 
And I'm kind of like you. I think trees are just amazing. Um, I like to always remember that they're living things. They're so large, sometimes we walk among them and we forget that they are alive. And uh, it, it, I think a lot of people think of a tree trunk kind of like they would a boulder. But they're not, they're not the same thing. They're, they're living. They're living. They have uh, many people associate sort of ancient wisdom and ancient traditions to, to trees. They used to be worshipped. And they still are by, by many people. Um, and that's why you hear terms like um, cathedrals and church apply to, to trees and to groves of trees. So there is something special and unique and eternal and awe-inspiring about trees. So, yes, I do agree with you. There, there's more, they're more than just a, a rock or a boulder. Yeah, it's, it's fun to walk among the trees. And one of my favorite things to do is to put my hand on the trunk and just to kind of experience the, the life that's in the tree. And I know that that might sound kind of out there for some people, but if you take the time to experience trees like that, then you begin to realize that they are alive. You know, there's, there's a sensation there beyond uh, climbing a rock. Well, I agree. Let me, you know, so that you don't feel like you're too out there with that, uh, let me validate what you said because I do the same thing. I, there are trees I, I climb, and there are, there are trees that I just uh, visit. Um, I've even named some of the ones I haven't climbed. We do name the trees that we climb very often, but I will name trees that I just go and visit and I consider them friends and I'll, I'll go up and touch the bark and, and I say hi to them and have a little conversation. Out here in Colorado, we have ponderosa pine, which smell like butterscotch or vanilla. So I'm also not just touching them, but I'm smelling ponderosa all the time to see how that smell is changing throughout the year, season to season. Um, and that's my way of, uh, of getting uh, re-familiar with, the, with the, tree, the tree again. So uh, I hear what you're saying. I have to share a story from one of Tom Brown's books. Perhaps you're familiar with it, but I recall this from years ago when I read it. He was uh, out in the woods camping, as he often did. He's a, a naturalist and uh, teaches wilderness skills. But this night, a big storm was coming through, and he was under a, a giant oak, and he felt compelled to climb up into the oak tree in the middle of this storm. And it was such a strong feeling that he, he finally gave in and he climbed up into the tree and found a place where he could experience the storm from the top of the tree. And uh, he describes how amazing it was to feel the tree fighting against the high winds and the rains and the, to see the, the lightning and all that. But kind of the punchline of the story is the oak tree dropped a massive limb right on his camp area where he would have been sleeping had he not been up in the tree. So by being in the tree, it saved his life. Wow. Neat story. Neat story. Um, I, 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 I experienced not, not the same thing, but I also love being up in, in trees. Now, we don't climb during lightning storms. Um, of course, that's one of, the, one of our basic rules that lightning, you get out of the tree really quickly. But I've climbed several times in snow, it's no storm. As a matter of fact, you might remember the blizzard we had in 2003 when we got, uh, well, up here in Evergreen, we got about three and a half feet of snow. October. Um, and, um, you know, it was just, um, well, I'm thinking about the one, I think this one was in March. Oh, okay. Uh, that we had here. And I just figured that, you know, I was that much more off the ground, three feet, three and a half feet up higher to start with. So I, you know, I crunched around out there and... Um, it was, it was great climbing. It's great climbing in the snow. The sounds are different. Plus in the winter, the, uh, 
the canopy is, is a little more opened up. You can see a little more because the foliage is down. So it's just great climbing in the snow. I've climbed in, um, where was I, near Jamestown in a snowstorm. And I climbed, I was about a mile or so away from, from anybody. And it was snowing. And it was just beautiful up there just to get up in a tree and to, uh, to experience, you know, another season. I've, I've been up in the snow when uh, animals have come by. They don't think of looking around or looking up. But a deer and elk will come by and just walk right underneath the tree and not think anything of it. So you really get to, uh, to experience nature a little bit when you're climbing in those kind of conditions. But, but not in lightning. We don't do that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't recommend it. I recently uh, went on a hike with two of my kids, and we got up to about 11,000 feet, I think. And we passed through an area, Harv, that I'd never seen anything like this before. There was a small area where it was kind of on a crest of a hill. But nearly every tree in that area had a stripe down the side from a lightning strike. And I, I'm talking 80% of the trees, you know, every tree you looked at, there's another stripe. I, I don't know if there was some sort of ore in the ground that, you know, attracted lightning or what. But I tell you what, in those areas, I wouldn't even pitch a tent. <laughs> yeah, well, the neat thing is that you have to think of, at the, the, the subalpine level like that, that they are... Um, they've co-evolved a little bit with the weather conditions, so they must um, there must be some uh, some evolutionary adaptation they they have to to uh, to withstand a certain certain amount of that. But I've not climbed that high. I do I don't think uh, I've climbed pretty high. I've climbed uh, uh, on Independence Pass above Aspen, and that was one of the more memorable climbs. I was just, um, just took off by myself into this, this huge aspen grove. And um, it's a beautiful day. And I found a beautiful, uh, a nice solid aspen with a nice fork on the top. I could get my line over and I just climbed up there and uh, looked at the blue sky and tree was just swaying in the breeze, nobody around and uh, just a lovely, lovely climb. So sometimes your, climb, your climbs are not the highest trees or um, the most technical, but just getting up there sometimes is a memorable experience. Well, you paint a beautiful picture there. So why would you encourage people to take up this sport? Well, I think it's a good complement to our technological lives. We get so hooked up to our, our electronics. And uh, you know, as I say that, I realize that that's what we're doing right now with this podcast. But, you know, we get... We're so, so much on our, our Facebook and iPhones and whatever that it's, it's good to just get ourselves out. Uh, we talk about virtual reality and experiencing things through the computer, but there's nothing. You can't duplicate getting outside and, and, and breathing the air, the forest air. In uh, Japanese, they have a, the phrase is, is uh, Shinrin Yoku. It means forest bathing. And the term, the term uh, forest bathing is, is what they call that activity that strengthens the uh, psychological health and social ties and makes people happier and healthier just to get out and walk through forests. And we're taking that to the next step by not just, not just walking through forests, but actually getting up in three dimensions and experiencing the forest from that other dimension that we don't usually do. So I really recommend it for, for physical health and for eco-psychological health, uh, emotional health. It really, we, we have something we call tree time. 
And for different people, it means different things. For me, it's just getting off the ground. Once I'm off the ground, uh, my perspectives change. My perspectives on life and life's problems change. Everything is put back in its proper place because I'm re I'm repositioned in the universe a little bit better uh, once I'm up in trees. And, you know, I get a, a better sense of what's really important and what's not. So there's the physical aspect. There's the um, the experiential aspect. And there's just the the knowing, uh, the getting getting to know a tree from close up, uh, which can't be duplicated. So that's some of the reasons. Mm. That's very inviting. You know, I always encourage our listeners to try to experience nature in a richer, more complete way. And I think what you're describing certainly does that. One thing that might be a start for people is walk off into a nice wood somewhere. And instead of just walking through, lie down on your back and look up at the sky through the trees. And that alone is an amazing experience. But then consider trying to get up into the trees like Harv's describing. Uh, yeah, Kurt, I think that's a great a great idea to get get a sense of the forest. You know, once people start climbing, it's hard for them to not look up into trees and not think about what it would be like to get up in the tree. And, it's, uh, you know, it can be a little dangerous when you're driving around, your head's looking up and, <laughs> and you're staring up at the forest around you or the trees on the side of the road. But uh, I do that all, all the time. I look at trees and say, oh, I wonder where I... I uh, you know, I put my rope there. I wonder, oh, that looks like a great spot. I could go there. I could go there. Uh, so I think it also increases the constituency of people who care about trees and forests who are going to maybe actively work to preserve and protect them. So I think that's a great thing. But but yeah, get out in the forest. Experience it. You know, a lot of people forget how much we get from the trees. Um, our homes are made from the trees. But even the very air that we breathe is made by the trees. We really have a symbiotic relationship with them. They're very important for humanity. That's that's really true, Kurt. And, and the ecosystem, we call those ecosystem services or ecological capital that is provided by the trees. They not only uh, help purify the air, but they help store carbon. Um, they are one of the major uh, storage uh, storages of, of carbon on the planet. They also help control the weather, which is something where appreciating more and more. People think of trees as maybe water consumers as a negative, but uh, they also help fix fix water in their roots. Um, and by doing so, and they cut down on the erosion and the velocity of water that, that flows through an ecosystem. So by doing so, they actually help take some of that water, fix it, bring it up through their, their, uh, their roots and through uh, evapotranspiration. They help cycle that water back into the atmosphere um, and uh, affect the weather, affect the weather, increase the actual precipitation in those areas. So they're very important for uh, stabilizing weather, uh, stabilizing soil, providing those products you talked about, forest products, food, uh, food, medicine, so much we get, get from trees. You know, they don't only stabilize the soil, they make soil. Mm, that's you know. true. It, it's just fascinating to think about all that trees do in an in a ecosystem in the forest, but when we think of it globally, they definitely have a large-scale global impact. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. 
finally, for the vast majority of us, we're able to access the mountains again. Snow has melted. Not everywhere, I know. There's plenty of snow still in the Sierras and in places like that. But as you take the full advantage of this opportunity called summer, make sure you have the best gear possible that's lightweight, that's made by fellow adventurers and backpackers, and that is Outdoor Vitals. I'm a huge fan of Outdoor Vitals. I have about half a dozen pieces of their gear. Absolutely high quality, incredibly well made, and I know that it's not going to fail me out there. That I know that that won't be something that keeps me from having a really good time and making the most of this time of year. So make sure you have the gear from a brand where it's not going to get stuck, broken, or just doesn't work. So if you want to be confident in the gear you're taking out there, I'm proud to support the folks over at Outdoor Vitals. From backpacking and camping to trekking and everything else, if you want to take your summer adventures to the next level with ultralight and high-quality performance, go to OutdoorVitals.com. And let them know Mason from Adventure Sports Podcast sent you. Again, that's OutdoorVitals.com. Right now is the time for adventure, so let's go. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Hey, will you tell us an amazing story that hooked you on this experience of tree climbing? Well, you know, I was thinking about that just the other day. And it occurred to me that the story was not even about trees, it was about people. Because, and we're finding, at least I find, that one of the, the best experiences I have is not just climbing, but climbing with other people. You know, when I get up, when I want to have a conversation with people, it, it, it seems that when I'm up in the tree, uh, the conversations are always easier, more positive. I don't know why that is. Um, but uh, there's something about being up in a tree that, that seems to facilitate and, and smooth over a lot of things. But... So the story I wanted to tell you was how I first got into tree climbing. Um, I've been working for both the Colorado Division of Wildlife and a soil conservation district um, in Douglas County. And I saw this, uh, this thing on this video on TV about tree climbing. And so I figured, wow, I really want to do that. You know, it combines the physicality, you know, the exercise and, and love of, of forests, two things I really really want to get more involved with. So I called up uh, two people down in Georgia because Georgia is kind of where the, the, uh, the sport took off. So I called up two people who are uh, two of the founders of the modern recreational tree climbing, uh, Abe Winters and uh, Pete Jenkins. And I was surprised because both of them referred me to the other or suggested <laughs> Or suggested they don't you know totally refer to me, but they suggested that I could call the other as a possible instructor. And you know I was coming from you know before before my environmental work, I was in the business community, and I was coming from that mentality of business and profits and marketing and wanting business. And when they both recommended the other, I said you know you could check with this person too is a good instructor. And I thought to myself, you mean you're not trying to keep me for yourself? And that was a new, a new perspective for me. And that was my, my introduction to tree climbing. And it's kind of been a, 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 building, a building upon that ever since. Um, I have a business partner, Nicole, and uh, she came to me as a climber. But um, she has been so generous with her time uh, before she became my, my partner in this that it just, it was all part of that same thing of giving. 
there's something about being in the trees and and, and spending your life in, in the trees and and making your work around trees that that changes you as a person. Um, I don't know if it's made me a better person or not, but uh, it has opened me up to to some of these ideas of of, of giving and generosity. Um, you know, I don't know if the trees are speaking to me directly, but the people certainly are. So that's that's the story I wanted to share. That is a really neat story. As you were telling that, I was just thinking about how hectic life can be and how busied people get. But when you get up into a tree, um, maybe it's because the tree is so old. Maybe the tree is 150 years old. Maybe it's because the rhythm of nature is is a different meter than we get wrapped up in in daily life. But it feels to me like it slows everything down. It does. It does. And I think we all need that. I think we all need a change of a change of pace, um, a change of perspective. Um, one of my life's goal has been trying to develop patience. And I think a tree teaches you patience because it just has that long view. Um, plus in tree climbing, you know, things never go totally predictably. Um, and you're forced to, and that's part of the, the joy and the fun of tree climbing, is that you're, you're, you're forced to, um, you know, to improvise a little bit and to be creative and to come up with solutions. And I love that. It's, it's like a, a lesson every time, an education every time. So um, there's a lot that I have to be thankful for, for, um, you know, being introduced to trees. We always like to ask a question about a time that things didn't go right, and you just alluded to the fact that sometimes things don't go as expected. But I think that not only does it make a good story, but um, we often have an opportunity to share some knowledge that can help others um, through a story like that. So what about that? Have you had an experience tree climbing that was a little bit more frightful? Oh, <laughs> lots. But, you know, um, a couple that I <laughs> I won't share with you. But I will, I will share one because, you know, I was, um, I was young. I needed the money. No, it's nothing, nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> I was just beginning. I had just gotten trained, took my, my basic tree climbing course. And so I was climbing. And I do most of my climbing here alone because that there aren't a whole lot of people or there weren't a whole lot of people trained then. We've trained a lot of people since. But so I was climbing somewhere and... One of the rules is that you don't climb above your, your anchor or your tie-in point because it's the rope that's keeping you safe. But, you know, I, was, I, was, I, I, I took a little chance. I, I wasn't, I don't know, I was, I was, I was just brand new and I, I wasn't really convinced of, of all the safety rules then. So I climbed, um, you know, I stood a little bit above my, my anchor on this, this small, uh, small branch and it broke. So I didn't fall very, very far. So this is not a, uh, it wasn't a, a terrible risk, but it was, uh, a, you know, it was something that, you know, it's not recommended doing. You shouldn't climb above your anchor. So the, the, the branch broke and I fell a couple of feet, just enough so that I realized the value of, the, of that safety rule. And of course, my, you know, my rope caught me. If you climb a foot above your, your anchor point, then you can fall two feet. So uh, that's why you don't, uh, you don't climb above it. But after that, I said, well, that's the, that's the purpose of that rule. Since then, I don't climb above my anchor point. I'm always on my rope, and I'm always, uh, I'm always on a tight rope. It's always taut. There are always situations that occur. They're not really dangerous, but just situations where you're, maybe your rope is, is, is caught on something below you, and you can't pull it up, or you can't come down, and you have to figure out 
what to do. That's why you always try to have options, whether you have extra equipment, extra techniques. You always have more than one way of, one way of doing things. So you mentioned earlier the importance of choosing healthy trees to, to work with in these projects. Uh, <laughs> a group of uh, friends and I decided to climb Mount Meeker, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful day. On the way down, there was no wind. It was just so still. You know, you can hear pine needles drop in the forest. But the trail went by a rather large tree trunk, and it was a snag. It had been dead for some time. I don't think that two of us could have touched hands around this trunk. It was so large. Mm. And we walked by it, and a couple of moments later, there was a thunderous boom, and we turned around, and the tree was gone. Wow. And uh, I turned to all the guys and said, hey, did you push that? Did you step on that? I mean, what was that? You know, and everyone said, no, I did not even touch the tree. No wind. It was just the vibrations, I guess, from our footfalls that were the final trigger, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. But this this tree must have weighed, oh, easily 1,200 pounds, maybe 2,000 pounds. I, I don't know how to judge the weight, but it was massive. And uh, it just what a strange experience. And to be there when a tree does lay down naturally. I can say this, if a tree falls in the forest, it does make a sound. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad it didn't hit anybody. Yeah, we were actually blessed. It fell away from us. It could have taken us all out. It was amazing. Well, yeah, and that, that does happen. It is natural. You know, the trees trees do fall over, and in, in so doing, if it's in a forest, they'll, they'll take out a few other trees with them, and they'll open up... Um, They'll open up that that little um, area of the forest. They'll open it up to, to light and space and also provide nutrients for regrowth. And that's just the natural way it happens. But when we climb, we uh, we go through a certain protocols for inspecting the tree. Um, we inspect the, the area surrounding the tree. We inspect the ground. We inspect the trunk. And we inspect the crown of the tree. And we're looking for a whole set of, of criteria that you know, tells us, gives us an overall um, idea of, of how suitable the tree is for climbing that day and anything we have to watch out for. So in general, we don't, uh, we don't climb dead trees, um, although, you know, there, there, you know, there are some, there are some interesting types of trees that, that climbers have climbed and kept records of. So uh, you just have, to, you just have to, to know what you're doing, go through your protocols and gain experience. It's kind of a juxtaposition for us to hear the the way that you carefully experience the trees compared to what we all did as kids, you know, where it was just helter-skelter primates. <laughs> right. Well, the good thing is that most of the trees we climbed as kids were backyard trees or park trees. Um, but, uh, you know, if you go off in the wilderness or, or open space areas or parks and you climb what we call as a wild tree, then you really got to be careful um, and inspect it pretty, pretty well because you, you don't know what you're going to find. Sure. You bet. Yeah. So tell us, do you have any, uh, projects or promotions in the works right now that are related to the tree climbing? Yeah. Well, the GOTC is involved in a couple of different projects. Um, one of them is where we're trying to do an outreach to, um, venues all across the country, like parks and nature centers, Arboreta or Arboretum. Um, I don't know what the plural of that is, um, forest preserves, other places like that. And we're trying to see if we can get them to open up to responsible tree climbing. So in other words, if they're part of this program, we're going to, we're going to try to have a map, um, not just around the country, but perhaps in Europe and elsewhere 
a map with these venues listed and contact information and uh, so that climbers can, we're not sure if we're, how we're going to do it, if we're going to have a card or we'll set up some sort of uh, uh, rules and regs or, or some sort of uh, conditions, uh, but we want to have a, a responsible program so that climbers can go around, climbers who have been trained and have some kind of uh, credentials um, can can just go around and introduce themselves and, and uh, be told, yes, you can climb on this property. So we're not sure how that's going to work yet or how it's going to look, but we're working on it. We have a couple of venues that have agreed to be open to recreational tree climbing under certain conditions. Uh, and we're really excited about that. We're also, we're also uh, we've put together a map of just climbers around the world, people who just want to be listed as recreational tree climbers for others to contact maybe when they're traveling or in town or something they would look look up one of these climbers and say let's get together and, and go go tree climbing and the local the local person will know know the trees and all this is to build community and to uh, to spread the practice of uh, tree climbing so those are some of the things we're working on right now hey that's pretty neat I saw on your website there that you uh, have also been promoting climbing at different places around the planet. Have you traveled for climbing much? Uh, I've traveled a little bit. And by the way, this is all on the website, gotreeclimbing.org. That's the GOTC's website, gotreeclimbing.org. If you click on climb, you'll be able to see some of these maps and, and contact information. Um, you know, there are people who do, do a lot of traveling. I haven't done a, a lot myself, but I have climbed in Probably the most exotic place has been Sweden, uh, because my my son has Swedish or yeah Swedish in his background and has lived there, and his wife is Swedish, and so I visited their family in Sweden, um, not far below the Arctic Circle, and and it's 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 been great. I climbed on what they call Midsummer over there, which was incredible because the sun it never really got dark. So you could climb, and you can climb and climb and climb, <laughs> and it never, uh, it never got too dark. And I've climbed, uh, let's see, I've climbed outside of Stockholm, and I've climbed in western Sweden, um, in Småland, and um, it, was, it was beautiful. I've climbed a, uh, a pine, a Scots pine, which they call Tal in Sweden, and I took some of the family up. I've climbed on Bjork's trees there and Lind or linden trees, and it was just uh, just wonderful climbing in Sweden in that sort of a situation in these forests out there. So, um, yeah, that's probably the most exotic, but beyond that, I just travel. I've traveled around the, the U.S. and climbed here. I'd like to climb. I have a friend in, uh, who runs uh, Good Leaf Tree Climbing on the Isle of Wight in England, and I'd love to visit, visit them there and do some climbing. And Nicole is from Chile, and... Um, manages um, a big area of forest down there. Nicole, my uh, my business partner, I'd love to go down to Chile and climb some of their uh, some of their trees down there. They have some some uh, some wonderful trees that I love to climb. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. You know, you bring up a really good point. There are different trees in different places and different landscapes. I think that combining tree climbing with travel could be very rewarding. I was in Kenya a while back, 
And Kenya's not known for extensive rainforests, but it, it does have some pockets of forest there. And um, we stopped in the forest and went for a short walk into the forest. And there are wide paths made by elephants and elephant tongue the size of, of basketballs and bigger, you know. And we got to a tree that was very large, bigger than the other trees around. And we were able to climb up into the top of it and actually get a view of the canopy of the rainforest from above. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just walking through that rainforest was cool. Um, It was also intermixed with bamboo forests and things like that. But once we got above it and we could see the topography from the treetop level, wow, it added a memory that's been really, really cool for me anyway. So I get it. When we travel, we ought to look for opportunities to experience it. That sounds wonderful. Uh, You know, just as you're talking, I, I can see that. You know, we call those kind of trees emergent trees. Uh, because they they emerge from the top of the canopy, and they really give you a sense. You know, you get up there, and now the new, the new floor is the top of the canopy around you, and it's like you're above that, looking down uh, on this on this top of the canopy. Uh, it's just an amazing amazing experience uh, to do that. Um, I climbed a uh, a cottonwood tree that was overlooking the Elkhorn River in Nebraska, and I just remember we climbed it. Climbed it with some good friends, Elliot Su from uh, uh, from Taiwan and Genevieve from from uh, Georgia, and we climbed up there just as the sun was setting. And we we were up there as the uh, you know night started to come, and uh, you know the sounds and the shadows changed. And just descending down uh, from the top of the tree through the uh, the middle and the lower stories of the tree was just a, quite an experience because the light changes. Uh, the light changes as, as you as you descend, you know, at dusk. Um, so that was a, that was an amazing experience as well. So yeah, and I think the idea of traveling and climbing is just a a wonderful thing to do. When I when I travel, if there are trees around, I never feel like I'm uh, you know that I'm too homesick. If there are trees around, then I always feel like I can I, can, I maintain a, a certain connection uh, to home as long as I can have trees around me. Nice. Yeah, I agree. I think it's fun, too, because of the different types of trees. I mean, Kenya's known for its boabab trees and acacia trees, which we just don't have here. So when you get to go to those places and experience a totally different type tree, that's kind of fun, too. Yeah, I'd love to climb a baobab one of these days. That'd be nice. <laughs> what about tips or tricks for the sport? So you, you've you taught a lot of people how to climb. How's it done safely? Well, you know, I, the way it's done safely is by finding a, uh, a good instructor to show you the ropes, so to speak. Uh, there are, you know, you can, you can try to find some video somewhere and, and learn about it. But the best way to do it, because, you know, as we've been talking about all the different aspects of the experience, you can kind of tell that it's not something you're going to be able to get the total package from uh, just by some, uh, some video. So, we recommend that you find a, a, good, a good instructor. And on our site, on the GOTC site, gotreeclimbing.org, you can find instructors close to you. They all charge different, uh, different prices, so there's no set pricing there that, that we, can, we can give you. But um, a good instructor will show you how to climb and show you how to climb safely and also give you an appreciation for uh, for what you're doing and for the community of, of tree climbers, which is very important. There's a heritage of tree climbers 
that's that I that I think is very important. When I'm climbing out by myself, I'm still doing my checks. I'm still going through all my my safety checks because I, I feel the presence of this community and of this tradition uh, with me no matter where I go. And I think that's important to have the community aspect of it as well. So, um, yeah, if you want to start, um, first of all, if you just want to climb, just be part of a, an introductory climb, you can go to the website and find what we call facilitators. They're tree climbing facilitators who take up groups of people climbing. And they're all over the world, all over the country. And uh, that way you can get connected with them and go up for an introductory climb and see if you like it. And then you find an instructor. It might be the same person uh, because, you know, instructors also facilitate. But find an instructor and learn to climb. It's what we call the basic tree climbing course. It's the basic course. And it's usually, it's usually about two days, um, two or three days, depending on your instructor. And uh, shows you how to climb, how to set the ropes in the tree, how to inspect the tree, how to tie the knots, tells you all about the equipment, different climbing te techniques, how to move around in the tree. Um, and um, yeah, it teaches you that and more. So that's, that's a good way to start. And once you do, you know, once, you, once you're trained and you have your equipment, you're set for a, wrong, a long time. And you're part of this worldwide community of, of climbers. And uh, you're set. It's a great lifelong activity to be involved in. I want to relate something that might encourage people to, to actually get that instruction. Um, when I was a, a very young man, I had taken up sport climbing on the rocks, of course, and one day we decided, hey, I wonder if we could climb this giant cottonwood. And so we threw a, a rope over a limb and managed to get up the tree. We weren't sure the best way to get down, so we tied into the rope and, and slid the rope over the branches. We lowered ourselves, which was probably a bad idea the way that we did it. Um, <laughs> the rope got so hot that it melted. Mm-hmm. And we had to destroy the rope, of course. We couldn't climb on it anymore. And I thought, well, not only was that risky, but we destroyed a, you know, $150 rope and no telling what kind of a, a scar we left on the top of the tree limb. So in our ignorance, you know, we did things wrong. So there's probably a lot more to it than people might expect. Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a great story, Kurt, because it, it points out the, uh, the value of getting getting good good training and, and safe tree climbing. Now, one of the GOTC protocols is what we call bark bark protecting devices or cambium savers. And generally what we use are these hoses, these little tubes that sit on the branch and the rope is actually sliding through the hose or the tube and not on the branch directly. So that reduces the friction, the wear and tear on the rope, and also uh, protects the... the um, uh, the bark and the cambium layer uh, of of the uh, the branch. So, and the ropes we use are special arborist ropes. So they're they're meant for for climbing in trees. Uh, they're meant for for all weather usage. So that's another thing too is to learn the equipment, learn the techniques. Uh, but yes, it's more than just kind of throwing a rope up there and trying to work your way up into a tree, which is what we all did as kids. But this is this is something now that we can do and be a little safer at it. Yeah, that's neat. So there's a lot more to it than people might think, but what a neat activity. What a great way to experience nature and just to be out there and be, be active. I, I love the sound of this. Yeah. Well, Kurt, I hope, I hope you'll, uh, you'll join us one of these, one of these times and go for a climb. Yeah, we'll have to do that for sure. Let's, let's put it on the calendar. Okay. So pretend you have some rich uncle that just said, I'm giving you an all expense paid adventure for a month. Anywhere you go, you want to go, anything you want to do. 
What What is that for you? Hmm, well, you know what I would do first of all, if, if a rich uncle was going to pay for a month of, of traveling for me, I would say I would probably take part of the money and use it to help a couple of friends come with me rather than just taking it all myself and traveling by myself and climbing. Because as I say, part of the experience is, is, uh, is doing this with friends. Um, so yeah, I would, uh, I would take that month off and also um, take some of that, uh, that, that, that subsidy and use it to help a couple of friends come with me. And I think of all the places, you know, I think I would really like to go down to, to Chile. Uh, Chile has some of the most unique and largest trees of the Southern Hemisphere. Um, the Araucaria, which I think is the monkey puzzle tree. Um, uh, there's, there's another beautiful old tree that I, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Uh, but I would love to go down to this forest preserve they have there and just climb, just climb a whole other hemispheres. Uh, special trees would be really lovely. Now, I've also been to New Zealand. I've been to South Island in New Zealand. So the, um, um, some of the trees in New Zealand I would love to climb. Um, but um, some of them, like the, the cowrie tree, are, are special sacred trees. So, um, you know, we'd have to be careful there. But something going to some place like going back to New Zealand would be, would, be, would be wonderful. Another possibility, if I had that much time, would be just to kind of... Uh, um, you know, if it, depending on how much money my uncle was giving me, uh, and get a uh, a chartered chartered plane and just go around the United States, just go around the country and uh, visit visit friends and trees all around the country would be another thing that I, I might consider doing. <laughs> Very good ideas, lots of fun. I think our listeners are probably thinking, you know what, I could get into some of that. So if they wanted to. Um, get more information. What are the best ways to get in touch with you? You've already mentioned the GoTreeClimbing.org. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the best way to to get in touch with you and learn more about the sport? Well, I'm assuming that your uh, your listeners are worldwide and not just not just here in Colorado. So, for for people who are not in Colorado, I would say that the best thing to do is to go to the GoTreeClimbing.org website, which is the GOTC. And the GOTC is a, is a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. So it doesn't, it doesn't make any money when you see, you know, a, a facilitator or instructor somewhere around the world. We just try to promote safe tree climbing and, and, and get people involved in the sport. So go to the GOTC website, go treeclimbing.org and look at the, on the climb menu item. And that'll show there'll be a map for facilitators and instructors around the world. There'll also be lots of information as to what our, our protocols are, our safety guidelines for, for safe group climbing and for instructions, instructing uh, curriculum. So that's a great place to start to learn about tree climbing. You can see pictures and videos. And you can also, there's an email address there if you have any questions. If you're in Colorado, then uh, by all means, look at the treeclimbingcolorado.com website. You can even abbreviate the Colorado. Just go to treeclimbingco.com, and you'll find lots of information there. You'll find a calendar of our our climbing events. We're kind of, kind of, uh, you know, rationing it down for the winter here. Especially we got a little snow last night, as you know. Um, so we're kind of uh, putting it to sleep for the winter here. But during the spring, the summer, and the early fall, we do lots of climbs, lots of trainings, 
And we'd love to have you join us. We'd love to have anybody join us or email us and ask us questions. We will do whatever we can uh, to help you help you start climbing. Are there ways that people can help your organization? Well, um, on the website, there is um, the opportunity to become a member of the GOTC. And we ask you to become, uh, ask you to fill out a questionnaire just about your climbing ability. And I think it asks for a $35 donation uh, to become a lifetime member. And it's great because you help support the GOTC and the work we're doing. There's also a little, um, a little store there on the, on the website where you can buy some books and equipment. Uh, there's a great book out now called Hanging Out with Shady Characters by <laughs> Winters. Uh, uh, an old, uh, um, one of our original uh, tree climbing founders. And it has lots of stories in it. We've been sharing some stories here, but uh, that book has lots of stories in it as well. So you can find all that information on the, on the website and consider becoming a member. Very cool. Well, Harv, thank you very much for introducing us to the, the sport of recreational tree climbing. I think there aren't that many people that know what this is. And I think it's worth knowing because it just sounds really delightful, like a lot of fun and can open up a lot of experiences that we would miss otherwise. So thanks for helping us get our feet off the ground. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me today. Oh, you bet. And for all of our listeners out there, until the next show, get out there and have some fun. First of all, Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.